0: Opening Minds, Changing the Possibilities by Changing Perceptions. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to the Fashionability Podcast. This is Emily, your co-host. We hope that you are all staying home, staying safe, and that you are all well. In this current time, we felt that we wanted to create some podcasts, Talking to positive people to help lift people's moods and help combat boredom. Because we are aware that many of you in many parts of the world... Are probably facing self-isolation or lockdown, and we wanted to help people who are currently dealing with low moods and We thought that it would be a positive thing to create some content for people to listen to to get them through these difficult times so Recently, I spoke to Samantha renck Samantha Renck is a journalist, an actress, a freelancer, and a disability campaigner and She opened up to me about her career and about her experiences as a freelancer. She's also incredibly passionate about style and fashion and about making the shopping industry accessible for disabled people. You may recognise her from the Morteza's advert that she starred in back in 2016. Sam lives with an illness called osteogenesis imperfecta, or also known as Brittle Bones. She is a full-time wheelchair user and spoke to me about some of the issues she faces accessing shops and finding accessible clothing to suit her. So I caught up with Sam and spoke to her about her experiences. So kick back, relax and enjoy the episode. So Sam, can I first ask you just to talk a bit about your wonderful self, your career journey? Yeah, hi there everyone.
1: So um, I am Samantha Rank. So I I suppose I've got lots of different strings to my bow. I came to London about eight years ago. I used to work in a school um, and moved to London, quit my job, and I wanted to work in the... um, the, the charity sector, I volunteered at a charity called Action for Children, um, and although that was fantastic and I learnt a lot, um, I just wasn't really getting anywhere with um, applying for paid jobs, um, and I suppose that's because I was 26, and I was I had a career change quite late on, but I went to a house party and I was the only girl there, there was like 40, 40 men, mostly gay men, um, who all kind of worked in the creative industry, a lot of TV people. And someone approached me, um, a good friend of mine, Max Barber, who is a producer-director, and he said, um, have you ever done acting? I love performing. I was quite an extrovert. My sister is an extrovert as well. And I used to do a lot of drama um, kind of acting classes when I was younger. However, when I was around 15, my teacher took me to one side um, because we were actually having a scout come from from london so i i I, at that point i lived up north near manchester and she pulled me to one side and she said look people like you um won't get picked because of your disability on that note i kind of gave up my dreams a little bit i did uh, i mean i'm not going to you know burden her with that you know, uh, she killed my dreams. So there was a lot of other things going on in my you know, personal life. And I know that when you're a teenager, like the world is just your enemy. But um, yeah, I kind of just went, okay, fine and gave up. Um, so when I got approached by Max and he said, are you an actor? I said, yes, uh, told him the story. And he went i've got an idea for you and we came up with a concept um loosely and i say loosely because if you go and watch the film uh, you'll know why i say loosely we did a, a film called little devil little devil was supposed to be a short indie film um about a girl who goes to london who has quite an overbearing mother um, my mother isn't quite the contrary she gets taken advantage of by quite a lot of people she decides that actually she's not going to be a victim so she gets up to quite a lot of mischief um and befriends a sex worker and they become an unlikely duo and actually the the reason why she kind of moved to london and she wanted you know kind of to have this new start is she actually wanted to have have a child so it's kind of a it's a it's a It's a very coming-of-age kind of story and, and, you know, overcoming um, stereotypes. So that was Little Devil. I actually won some awards in the L.A. Diversity Film Festival. I won Best Actress. The film won, you know, Best Film in Diversity. The rest is history. I got an agent. I got into... Some more acting. I got into presenting. I did a lot of work for charities, which was, you know, a blessing because charity work can build up your confidence and give you actually a lot of free media training. And you know, now I write for the Metro. I write for Possibility Magazine, and I'm also a consultant, which is really good because as a disability campaigner, on top of everything else, I want to feel connected with the people that I can, you know, relate to and give back because I feel like I'm very fortunate. So I. I would say, I'm a broadcaster, actress, journalist, and a good old northern
0: lass. One of the things I want to ask you about because I mean, I, I know of your your acting work, and we've worked together in the past on charity acting projects. But I think one of the things that I think people would probably know you from instantly would be your advert that you did with Maltesers a few years ago. Can you sort of talk a bit about how that came about and how, if at all, you feel that changed the trajectory of your career? so
1: I think it was already gosh 2016 I got a call from my agent at the time and she put me up for a commercial so my Maltesers is a chocolate commercial went to the um, audition um I mean it, it obviously went very well I got called back for a, a recall and I, I got the part the actual um advert itself was um I suppose a Pioneer in its kind. Um, it was supposed to be um, in support of the Paralympics. So Channel Four um, held a competition to any brand that they could they could enter, and if they won, so Maltesers won, they would receive a million pounds airtime. The commercial would open the Paralympics. I think there was three commercials in total. All the commercials um, had leading disabled actors and it's really funny to think that that was only a few years ago because I do genuinely believe that you know we've moved on as a society and even though uh, disabled people still are very much underrepresented and I think we only uh, account for 3.2% of on-screen talent but you know at the time I suppose I didn't I didn't realise um, the effects it would have. I was proud because it was it was my first big commercial. So I was just proud of myself. And also I was getting paid quite a lot of money to do it. I think it, it hopefully it opened other pathways for other disabled creatives. Uh, I know that I got a very positive response from the disability community. Um, I also got a very negative response from non-disabled people and quite a lot of online trolling. You know i think that just goes to show that at the time we'd never seen anything like this we'd never seen you know feisty sexy sassy disabled people in your living room i feel like it, it really wasn't tokenistic this is why they were so uh, ahead of their times the, the adverts because it, it just wasn't tokenistic and the the conversation wasn't centered around necessarily the person's impairment and if it was it had a very tongue-in-cheek element to it so it was groundbreaking it definitely put me on the on the map so to speak I think I will forever be known as the Maltesers girl people would stop me in the street and maybe people who felt awkward around me in the past or around people with disabilities wanted a selfie or wanted uh, my autograph even though I did get you know some form of abuse from it I actually turned that in you know on its head and got to talk about that on a lot of TV shows. Uh, I even worked with uh, Katie Price, uh, whose son has complex um, needs as well. So there was a lot of good that came out of that negative. How did
0: you respond to the negativity? Was there any particular things that you did?
1: As a society, we don't like to think that disabled people who are deemed as vulnerable, uh, really don't like that word, but you know what I mean? We're vulnerable like um, that anyone would be nasty to us. But as you and I know, There's a lot of hate out there, there's a lot of ignorance out there. And I wasn't prepared for it because I was just living life and loving life. Like, things were going really well for me. I surrounded myself with people that adored me, you know, took me for who I am, disability and all. Knocked my confidence. um, I'm human. It made me feel very sad. It made me feel violated it made me feel angry. I actually turned down a number of television interviews and all sorts of bits and pieces, uh, opportunities after the abuse, because I didn't want to go back on telly and then get more abuse, which in hindsight, I should have just said, sod you, Um, I'm going to do it. But, But you know, again, I am only human. So I actually wrote about it. Um, for a magazine, I got a very warm response and I felt like that was my comeback. I do advise people to not interact, to take screen grabs and send the screen grabs of the abuse to a friend, you know, report, block. But again, it is easier said than done. And I've been guilty of, um, you know, confronting these people. I feel proud to be disabled, proud of my identity. You know, that's when it hurts more, because actually when you discriminate against someone's ethnicity, sexuality race you know or or disability you know these are these are factors that are very much out of our control you should always try and see the the positive out of any negative and make it work in your favor
0: you've certainly done that from the abundant freelancing career that you've built up for yourself over the years what is your advice in terms of building up a career as a freelancer, because I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who want to be a freelancer in whatever capacity that that may entail. Do you have any personal advice that you've found over the years that's helped you build up a career as a freelancer and actually create a name for yourself?
1: Yeah, I think my sister, when I moved to London, my sister gave me a very um, poignant uh, piece of advice, which I still practice to this day, and this was at a time where I wasn't getting any paid work, was getting rejected. You know, I was kind of probably spending too much time partying, losing my way because I felt really low because I was getting rejected, you know, and then I was like, oh, my God, have I done the right thing? Thing should I have left and she said to me if you do one thing every single day that gets you closer to your dream no matter how big or small so that might mean you know following someone you admire on Instagram and looking at how they work or writing that email to a magazine asking for them to read your your blog don't give yourself such a hard time if you don't get up every morning and go I need to do 10 million things today because if not I'm a failure keep it realistic allow yourself time to breathe but do one thing and i think that has really helped me even right now as we are in um lockdown or isolation you know i uh, that's one of my me- main messages right now opportunities are not going to come knocking on your door when you are freelance or creative you have got to knock on people's doors use social media to its advantage i know you're fantastic at doing this but social media is free it's such an amazing tool even if you are maybe on bed rest or if your impairment it means that you maybe can't work as much as you like know your worth There's always things that you can do for free because you are passionate about it, because it's for a charity, or because actually you think that um, it's a really good opportunity and that might actually lead on to something fantastic. You have to have a balance, you know, and you have to be realistic because this is your... Livelihood.
0: Now something else I want to talk to you about is your campaigning side of your work because we've worked together on some TV interviews in the past where you were talking about a campaign that you started called Don't Want Our Cash and it was about raising awareness of how shops are not always accessible for people with disabilities and uh, what I want to talk to you about is how have you found the response to this campaign and where are some of the main issues when it comes to particularly the fashion and beauty sector of shops in particular
1: yeah so i started a campaign called don't want our cash um basically to reflect the purple pound and you know the fact that disabled people have an estimated spending power of 249 billion pounds half the time we can't get into these shops so why would i spend my money there or i'm only three foot nine um you know so a lot of the clothes don't fit me and i started taking pictures of places that were inaccessible um because obviously we have the equality act which is great but the reasonable adjustment Act. i have a real um Niggle about because anyone can really get away with saying that they are exempt from reasonable adjustments, and also what's reasonable for me is probably not going to be reasonable for you so I set it up and I was asking people to you know take pictures and upload it because I wanted eventually to take uh, this body I thought I, I saw it as a body of evidence uh, all these photos, so in my head, I thought I was going to have collate. Thousands and thousands of photos from across the country. And I was going to take it to Parliament to say, look, you've got this reasonable adjustment clause. But clearly thousands of people can't access shops, can't access uh, high streets, can't access leisure facilities, restaurants. Uh, and something needs to, the, the the law needs to be tightened up. And um, it was difficult to get people engaged with it. I had a lot of support, but I think when you are asking people to take photos, there's obviously going to be some people that don't feel comfortable doing that. And I think I had a lot of people say, "Shouldn't you be praising the ones that get it right?" And I'm all for that. But I think if you if you focus too much on what is being good practice, then The parliament isn't going to change anything. We actually have to show the reality. So I think people were just a little bit reluctant to post and share their pictures. That's not to say that the campaign um, didn't make impact. I, I was able to write about it for the Metro. I went on a number of TV programs and radio stations to talk about it and to highlight how inaccessible the world is. There was a lot of positive that came from it and it's still, you know, the the Twitter page and the Facebook page is still there. I probably myself need to be more proactive. Once society gets back to normal, I will definitely do a bit of a research in the the Don't Want Our Cash campaign. I do need people to get on board. The, The
0: nature of your disability, Um, being what it is. What are the biggest issues you find with accessing fashion um, and trying to shop for clothes?
1: Yes, so I didn't actually say this at the beginning, um, but I've got a condition called osteogenesis imperfecta or most commonly known as brittle bone condition. So I don't have type one collagen in my body. So that basically means my bone density is quite weak. uh, My bones are quite bendy, but they're also very fragile collagen is obviously in, in all different parts of my body uh, as well um because your skeleton makes up so much of your body that's why it's called brussel bones uh, i am a full-time wheelchair user um and i stand at around <laughs> ironically i don't stand but i'm around <laughs> three foot nine um and i got fatigue and things so for me accessibility wise it would be things like step free access not having fashion clothes close um rails too close together and obviously tills that are too high um using changing room as a storage cabinet they're the practical things but also um because i am so petite and i am sat down all the time um i need things to be shortened um, and i also need things to be comfortable uh, when I'm sat down, so there's definitely certain fashion traits that I won't be able to get into. And shoes, I really find shoes quite complicated because I'm only like a kid's size nine shoe. So finding shoes that are age appropriate, you want to feel quite sexy with a heel.
0: Something else that I also find really interesting about you is that you did a collaboration with a brand called uh, Matui, which I believe is a, a handbag company, and you collaborated to make was it wheelchair appropriate uh, handbag. Yes, so, Mia Tui, um, they approached me, it's probably a
1: good few years ago now, and they approached me, approached me on, um, Instagram, and they slid into my DMs, as, as the, as the young kids call it nowadays, um, and they, they had a handbag, um, that um, you could clip um, some little clips on and they could go on to any any wheelchair or any mobility aid so if you had a scooter etc so they sent me very nice gifted me a handbag um, and some clips and I was like okay this is cool um, but I could make it better so we had a meeting and I said you know we could make things uh, you know um, for people with visual impairments we could have um, a little tweaks on it um, for people with dexterity uh, 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 issues. I I went on board, I kind of told them what I think would um, make a more inclusive bag and uh, they said that uh, all my suggest- suggestions were possible and we came up with a Samantha bag, which in itself is pretty darn good, having a bag named after yourself. I wanted to prove that to other brands that if you want to include disabled people in the fashion world you do not have to you know alter a product that will then isolate other people like you could have the samantha bag and not have any impairment whatsoever and unless i pointed out the fact that the metal um, zipper was changed from metal to a bigger fabric so that people could find it who are visually impaired or you know have dexterity problems could grab it better unless i pointed that out to you um you wouldn't know and i think that's the message i want to bring
0: it's always this assumption that if if something is customized or made for a disabled person it has to automatically be Bland or unattractive or exactly. boring, and it's not the case. I mean, I hope we see more from you in that. I mean, maybe a, you you touched upon the shoes. Maybe like a shoe collection would be great. You know, your own shoe line. So, you know, never say never. Never say never. And sort of the last thing I want to ask, just as a final note, what I want to ask you is, how are you dealing with self isolation at the moment?
1: I think many of your listeners can can mm-hmm. relate. Um, I'm no stranger to self-isolation, I've had a lot of bed rest in the past Um, and also let's face it, you know, the world is very disabling um, and um, it's not like I can go and hop on an underground or, you know, go go wherever I want uh, without, you know, assessing whether I can actually get in the building or if it's got an accessible bathroom. So I think um, with regards to that, it's not affecting me as much as maybe someone that has no experience of having their freedom restricted at all so i think that has definitely helped me and i also think the fact that i am a creative has helped me i'm seeing this as a time for me to think of ways i can progress so you know continued personal development i struggle with anyone saying that they're bored um, just because there's so many things that you can do there's always going to be something for you to do they say you've got to be bored for you to be creative You've got to, you know, sit there in your own thoughts to be creative. Um, if you're constantly fed information, you're never really using the full extent
0: of your brain. It's definitely, it's it's about turning your attitude around and seeing the positives even though we are in a negative situation trying to make the best out of a bad situation and creativity is, is one of those things sam thank you so much for talking to me today it's been an absolute delight to speak to you and for any of our listeners who are interested in sam's work we'll be leaving links to all of sam's social media and also the don't want our cash campaign and thank you so much for listening and thank you so much sam for joining us today you've been an absolute star thank you so much for having me and
1: everyone stay safe and stay positive please
0: Exactly. Stay positive and we will speak to you again soon. Thank you for listening to this Fashionability podcast. To hear more podcasts, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Blueberry, and Amazon Echo. You can tweet us at Inclusive Style. You can find us on Facebook at Fashionability Channel. You can find us on Instagram at Fashionability Channel. You can also write to us at Fashionability Channel at gmail.com and finally you can find us on our website at www.fashionabilitychannel.com thanks for listening